we serve this morning. Well, it's great to be here this morning. I know Dad said he was uh, he was dealing with some sinus stuff over this week, so I was excited to uh, to be able to bring the word. Thank you, sir. Uh, I was excited to be able to bring the word this morning. Um, I was reading earlier this week in uh, in the book of John. I love the book of John. I uh, especially just love his perspective as as that book being one that I studied quite a bit for my for my master's thesis, my final project of my master's degree. I had to do quite a bit of study over the topic of of uh, the spirit of God and and if you know anything about the writings of uh, of John the apostle, you know that he writes extensively about the spirit of God. And it's very very exciting to go through and to read what he has to say about um, about the spirit of God. And so I was reading in, in John chapter 15, and if you go through uh, the very first part of that chapter, he talks about how we are, uh, we are connected to, to Christ um, as, as the vine, or the branches, and then being, being uh, connected even further to the actual, to the vine itself. And so it's, it's really interesting to see the way that he, that he moves us aside. But really what I want to talk about today is to abide and testify. So the first part of this chapter, I'm not going to quite go through just because it would take many weeks to go through this, this chapter in itself and to break down everything. So what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to skip forward ahead in uh, John chapter 15, and we're going to move into, um, into a little bit further portion of it, starting at, at verse 9. So let's go ahead and, and start reading from here, and it says this. It says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remained in his love. So what I want to do here is I want to first start and, uh, and, and kind of go back to this word to keep. When we keep his, go ahead, yeah, go back to that scripture, that'd be great. And so he says, as, as, my, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain or keep my love. If you keep my commandments, if you remain in my commandments, you remain in my love. There is a continuation that he has here saying that we have to first keep and then in order to, to remain there. So that word keep is to observe, it's to act against, it's, um, it's to take care of or to guard. So this is interesting. If you guys remember some of the teachings I've had from, uh, from, from probably, la- I think it was last year when we were talking about some of this with the temple, um, you could remember that the first thing that God told Adam and Eve to do um, was to keep or to maintain the, his presence, to maintain his area, to maintain the garden, to maintain the place where he inhabits. And so in order for them to do that, they had to obey his words. They had to obey his directives. And so something that he's talking about here is that we have to keep his commands. This is a continual thing that we see all throughout, the, all throughout Scripture. So it doesn't just start here with Jesus saying, okay, hey, this is going to be important for us. Go ahead, keep the commandments. If you remember going back, uh, going even further from the Genesis story, uh, continuing that narrative, you get into Exodus, and you remember that Moses, when he came down, he, he implored the Israelites when they were at Sinai after being delivered from the Egyptian slavery, he implored them, said, hey, it is important right here that you are to keep God's commandments. Do you guys agree to keeping the commandments of the Lord? And they all replied with a hearty yes. And then they went into idolatry right after that. And so, and so this is something that you see consistently all throughout scripture. I mean, you can go page after page and you'll notice that there's more and more narrative of, of, of God telling his people Keep my commands, keep my commands, keep my commands, keep my commands. You see in the book of Deuteronomy, there are things of, of blessings and of cursings, of, of things that you do if you keep God's commands or if you disobey God's word as being a follower of Christ. So you start to see all these things manifest itself more and more and more as Scripture continues to, to, to push through. And Jesus does not stop that narrative. He actually continues this narrative. 
And then he does something here as if you can remember um, in, uh, in other books, there was even a, a, a really smart guy that came through and uh, challenged Jesus and asked him what the greatest commandment was in all of scripture. And, it, and, and Jesus's response was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself uh, is, is, is just like it there. So and he says here, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I love it. I love how he does that because he doesn't just say, okay, cool. Um, so I've loved you. Now just remain in my love. Well, how do I remain? Easy. Wham. If you keep my commands. <laughs> right there, the very next sentence. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. Craig Keener says in his commentary over the book of John, which is fantastic. He said that some people may be uncomfortable with a passage that holds a condition of obedience for God's love. Because that's not something that, that we typically teach, right? It's like, you, you don't have to earn God's love. He's already freely given it. Amen? Everybody in line with that? Yes. Now, here's, here's a way that you can affectionately feel, encounter, continue to experience, to walk in, to realize, to have uh, an abundance of, of an illuminating thought of God's love in your life. If you keep his commands, doesn't mean that he withholds his love. It means now you can actually experience and encounter and you are aware of his love in your life. And so this is a way that you do it is you keep his commands. A lot of times we stop at God's freely given his life and then now he offers us salvation. He's taken the, the penalty of sin and now we just have his love and it's wonderful. But we end up abusing that love by taking for granted the things that the rest of the word has said. So it's so, it's so important for us to, to go back to scripture and to know what it is that we have to do to continue to experience this relationship with God. Because if it is a relationship, and it's not a, what I call a religionship, then that means that a relationship is a continual process of learning, of growing, of, uh, of continuing to, to abide in, to be with, to communicate with, to, to listen to the preferences, to listen to what the other person has to say. Otherwise, it's a dictatorship. And we're not in a dictatorship. This is not a, a, a religious place where um, we just sit here and we just listen to just some tyrant stand up and say, you got to do all these things and, or else you die or, or unless you're exiled. And that's it. And you have no opportunity to communicate with that person or to he for that person to hear your heart, or for you to hear their heart. It's just command, 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 and it's very oppressive. The, the Holy Spirit is not oppressive over you. The Holy Spirit does not oppress us, amen? It's not oppressive. But the Shekinah glory is something that brings rest. When you get oppressed, that means it's very strenuous. It causes tension. It causes discomfort. It causes a lot of, uh, of, of negative, um, negative consequence that comes from an oppressing feeling over top of you, an oppressing matter. If you have a, a, a huge boulder coming down on top of you, you might be able to hold it for a little while, but after a while, your muscles will start to weaken, it'll start to get tough, it'll start to get rough, and then you'll end up collapsing underneath it. But the presence of God is, is a restful weightiness that comes over you and provides peace. And that peace is something that actually strengthens us. That even if we're weak, this, the peace of God can come and he can also strengthen us. That in our weakness, he is also made strong. So we see that this is not, this is not a, a formula that Jesus has laid out, but it is a condition for relationship. And so sometimes it's very easy for us, especially if you are in some kind of industry or some kind of place that 
is dealing with formulas or, you know, you have to do this, 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 and this is the, the result that you get. If you're dealing with formulas a lot, it's very easy to think of lots of things in your life as a formula. But this is not a formulaic equation for us to be able to live a life that is, that is free and loving in Christ. Jesus is actually really great in saying, we just want relationship. We want continued relationship. We want a dialogue with you. And then he says in verse 11, we can go ahead and move on there. Thank you, Philip. He says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. We sang about joy this morning, right? And so he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our earlier Christian tradition actually linked joy with love as a fruit of God's presence. We can see this in Galatians, in Paul's writings, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, when he says that the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, it's the second one right after that. So it's a product of love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All these things come from the fruit of a life that is rich with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. Something that I've, I realized in my studies through the book of John is that John writes consistently of the Spirit of truth. Talks m- so much about the spirit of truth in, in relation to the Holy Spirit. We see later on in this chapter, we'll get to it, where Jesus brings up how he's going to provide a comforter, a paraclete, um, someone who is going to come in his stead when he, when he ascends, that he's going to send someone in his place that's going to be beneficial and helpful for the body. And, uh, and the spirit is the spirit of truth. And that John chapter 4 passage, when you see that it says the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth, you can also translate that because of the amount of times and the numerous occasions that John writes the spirit of truth, about the spirit of truth, that you can actually interpret it as uh, true worshipers will worship in the spirit of truth. So in order for us to truly worship God, in order for us to, to live a life that is abiding and abundant, a life that's full of joy, we must abide in the spirit of truth. And we, the only way to know the spirit of truth is to go back to the word and to read the word and to know what his voice sounds like so that whenever he speaks, our ears can be perked up and it can be attentive because we know what his voice resembles. We know what he would say. We know the character and nature of what he would actually communicate. And so this is so important for us. And so uh, this is also a sign, P, uh, joy is also a sign of God's recognized present reigning in your life, his lordship, his kingship in your life. When you have joy, it is, it is something that is, that is found that people are like, there's something different about you, and it causes them to question what it is that you, ha- that you have that they do not have. And it's because you're a part of a kingdom that they're not a part of. Or, if they're, if they're supposedly a Christian, then that means that they're not living in the fullness of the kingdom. They're still living the life of a peasant um, who is bound to sin instead of one who is free in the richness of Christ as a son or as a daughter of the Most High. And so verse 12 says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. It's very easy to read this and to relate this to the way that we look at friendship today. And, uh, and there are some really good examples that we could find. But there's something that a Jewish listener would have heard and understood in this whenever they heard Jesus talk about friendship that we don't quite think of sometimes whenever we go through and we read the word friend. Because back in the, in the Jewish tradition, if you think of someone who is a, a, a very close friend, you would think of someone like a David and a Jonathan. You would go back to this friendship that actually transcends space, the distance between one 
uh, one person's living and one person's existing. Jonathan and David, they had a covenant relationship with one another, one that was so close that even in David's exile, Jonathan was still close with David. They had one that even though it was Jonathan's father that was chasing after David, and David was anointed to be the next king of Israel, when Jonathan had the legal right at that time to be the next king in line, that Jonathan still pledged his life to David and still provided a way of escape for David before he could be executed by Saul. There's a laying down of one's life. Jonathan actually died before David could take the, king, uh, the, the, the throne in itself. You also see that, um, that in that tradition, if you go through, they didn't have cell phones, they didn't have computers, they didn't have you know, really easy ways to communicate with each other if you lived in a distant country. And, and in those times, there were also displaced Jews, people who were in distant lands, dif- distant places. And, uh, and so the friendship that they had with one another was something that actually went much further than being able to communicate with them on a daily basis. I, I have some friends of mine that we're, we're very close, and, and it's, it's really fun to be with them when we're in the same place. But if we're not in the same place, it's very hard for us to, to stay in communication and to act like we're, you know, like we're able to um, like go through life on a day-to-day basis talking. But our friendship, as soon as we get back with one another, it's like we never missed a beat. So our friendship is not um, dictated on something where we have to consistently be talking to each other in order to feel like we're friends. It's something that transcends that space. It goes further than that. And so when you think of, of friendship that's right here, Jesus is talking about even in relation to the sending the Holy Spirit, saying, hey, our, our relationship does not end when I ascend. Our relationship does not quit after I am crucified. But there is a paraclete, there is a helper, there is someone that I'm sending that allows us to continue this relationship, even though I am not seen physically in front of you, that our relationship can continue, and it can also be very strong. It can be very, very helpful that even in in the place where you may feel like you're exiled, like David may have felt, like David felt exiled, like someone who was close in those places could have felt distant from one another. They can still hold true to their um, to their relationship. They can still hold true to their their truity with one another. And so he said, um, so he said, everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. let me keep going here. Yeah, so let's go to the next uh, verse 15. Uh, I have no longer called you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Let's keep going here. Uh, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give to you. This is my command. Ooh love each other. Let's stay right here real quick. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When you look at trees that produce fruit, it doesn't just happen instantaneously. Also, if you have fruit that lasts, that means that the first time that you receive fruit is not the last time that you receive fruit. If this fruit lasts, that means there's a continual basis of that tree producing more and more fruit something that is, uh, that is uh, reliable for someone to go back to in, in a harvest season, something that can be plentiful enough to provide for the people who are going to be hungry, who need the sustenance from that tree. And so when we look at someone who has maintained a friendship with the Lord, that's not just something that you have when you come up and you give your life to Christ, and then you do a good deed at that point in time, or maybe you raise your hands for a couple services, and then you fizzle and fade away. 
This is something that has to maintain itself. It has to cultivate. When you keep his commands, when you cultivate the garden just like Adam and Eve, this is a process of work. This is a process that is not always also enjoyable. If you've ever cultivated a garden or if you've ever had to do any kind of yard work in order to maintain the look of the yard, in order to maintain the garden so it produces the fruit, there's a process of labor that happens not just one time but a continual basis. You have to continually go back and, and take out the weeds. You have to continually go back and shape up the different lines. You have to continually go back and sometimes get rid of some critters that could be coming around and trying to eat up your garden or whatever. You have to, you know, do whatever that, it, that you need to in order to maintain that. It means sometimes you have to sweat through it. So sometimes in our lives, whenever we go through our process of growth, we have to be cool with being uncomfortable. It doesn't mean we're being oppressed by the Holy Spirit. He's actually producing a, a process inside of us that provides rest. Because his presence always brings rest. But in order for us to be rested, we also have to go through processes at times of, of work, of hard work. I don't know about you guys, but it feels really great when you uh, do a little bit of physical labor. You go outside, you take care of something. Maybe it's Maybe it is a garden. Maybe it is yard work. Maybe it's doing something, and then after you've kind of exhausted yourself or you've completed the task, you feel the completion of that task, and once you sit down afterwards, it's just a great feeling of accomplishment and now rest, and that rest is joyous because the fruit of, of, that, of that process that you went through is something that is lasting more for you. It's something that you can see. It's visible. Maybe in the process of digging up all that stuff, it looks like it's even more of a mess. Right when you're when you're digging up weeds or when you're when you're doing certain things, it could be a, a, a really ugly process. You're like, this looks way worse than what it did kind of before it even started. And then you start to get as you go further and further, you start to see things shape up. You start to see things that really uh, manifest itself. Where it's like, oh my goodness, this is this is much prettier than I thought it was going to be. Oh, this just turned out so much better. And then other times you learn, you go, that was not what I envisioned uh, from Pinterest. <laughs> I looked it up, and this is nothing close to it. Let's try this again. So then you go through processes of realizing that the first time I do something, it's not going to be amazing, and, and being okay with that. Sometimes that's very difficult for me, um, especially if it's something I'm not very familiar with. Um, I, I'm not a, a, a builder of sorts. I don't do a lot of that. I'm trying to get a little, bit more, a little more into it just to where I can be a better homeowner <laughs> and, uh, and help out with more things around the house, but... That's not something that's innate inside of me, something that I've been doing for a long time. And so getting over the fact that I'm, I've, the first couple times I do stuff, it's not great, is something that's helpful for me because it helps me grow in this area of realizing that I don't have to be great at everything the first time I try it. Um, and so it's helpful for me to call on people who are good at things like that and then to observe and to ask questions and to watch things. Nick has helped me out a bunch with stuff because he works with his hands a lot. Um, I have another friend of mine that builds houses, and I, I call him up sometimes and ask him questions about how to frame up certain things and how to do other, accomplish other tasks and stuff like that. And so for me, that's been a helpful way of cultivating my thought process, cultivating what can help out around the house, and deal with that even further. And if we do this in our lives where we can call on people who are wise, who we know that they've experienced things in their life, and we know that they've gone through certain things, and it doesn't have to be the same person every single time because there's not one person that has the answers to every single question, right? We cannot just go to one person and, and, and think that they're going to give me the best answer every single time. That's, that's not helpful or healthy for us because then we start to elevate that person up into being more like Christ instead of actually relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us in certain ways. So there are certain people that I call on for certain parts of my life that 
I'm very, very excited about hearing their opinion because they're experts in that, or they've gone through something very similar, and they're, they're dealing with those things. And other times, I, I'm not going to call on them because that's not something that they really specialize in. You know, that's, that's what the beauty of the body of Christ is. And, in, and earlier in John chapter 15, when he talks about us being grafted in, there's not just one branch, there are branches, right? There's not just one, uh, one fruit that we have that's produced. There are many fruit that we can actually benefit from. And so what's, what's helpful for us in these times to realize in the relationship is that when we start to, to focus in on just one person in our lives, then that becomes idolatry because that ends up being just one person who can only provide things. And that becomes very cult-like because the cult leader is the only person that can actually make the rules and regulations for things, and that's terrible for us to walk into that. And so realistically, it's really great for us to be able to glean from many people and then to listen to the Holy Spirit and, and dictate everything from the Word. How does what they told us, what is the advice that they gave us, how does this line up with the Word? And if it doesn't line up with the Word well, then we need to start asking more questions, maybe from other people. That's why I go to, uh, and not everybody is, 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 is an act to go to like a commentary or something, but that's why I also consult commentaries from people who are experts in reading into the language of the Bible, reading into certain things like that. It helps me study so that I can know what the Word is actually saying about certain passages. And so this is, this is something that we can cultivate in our lives a lot more. Do, are we journaling with the Lord? Are we actually writing down our thoughts and then going back and reading and saying, was this correct? Did I find out that this was a good thing on the front end of what, what I was experiencing? Or now that I've gone through it, I realize I, I was in the wrong. I wasn't really thinking very clearly here, and I need to reevaluate the way that I process and deal with certain things. And that's very healthy for us to do as we cultivate and we learn more and more in obeying the, the commands of the Lord. And so as we, as we continue here, he says, this is my command is to love each other. Let's go ahead and go to verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Let's keep going. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. This is so, this is so important for us to, to think about here is that at times we can, we can end up having a savior complex about ourselves if we feel like we're the first person to ever have been persecuted. <laughs> or if we feel like we've ever been the first person to, uh, to encounter opposition um, from, from different people. Jesus says right here, remember that, that they first hated me before they hated you. Remember that if they listen to your teaching, it's not because you're the smartest person ever. It's because they, they can recognize my word in your words. So this is so helpful for us to realize that everything has to be rooted and grounded in what the word says. The world is not, is, is not something that we should look as, as something that we're in complete opposition to all the time to where we can't reach them. If we separate ourselves so much to the point to where we are almost fearful of coming in contact with people in the world, then we've lost sight of the mission of reaching the lost. There are times that, that I've, I've talked to some believers that they are so scared of being anywhere close to, to someone who is like going through anything sinful that they've completely removed themselves from communicating with people who are not Christians. And that's, that's not a great place to be in because then you end up in an echo chamber 
of singular thought. You're also not being challenged very much to be able to talk and communicate with someone who possibly doesn't have the same belief that you do. It's good for us to know why we believe what we believe. And a lot of times talking to an unbeliever will really challenge you in this area. But also it may show them that you actually love them to the point of being able to communicate with them the love of God. Because because of God's love, we now can also love other people. But this also means that we are separate from the world. He does, there is a distinction here between the believer and the world itself. And this means that the fruit that we bear is different than the fruit that the world bears. You can, you can tell the difference between one tree that bears a specific fruit and another tree that bears a different type of fruit. You can tell whenever you look at it, when you taste the fruit, they're both different. They're both trees, absolutely. We're all humans that are existing on this planet, but the fruit that we all bear looks a little bit different depending on the commands that we're serving, who it is that we're actually honoring in our lives. And so as we go through abiding in Christ, the fruit that we bear is going to be something that's noticeable, not just to other believers to recognize that that's a believer and I'm, I'm in agreement with you, but also for unbelievers so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. Not taste and see that Zach is good, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because guess what? I'm not perfect. And so if I become Christ to them, then that is a very dangerous place for them to be because whenever I let them down, then that means that the gospel has let them down. That means that, the, that Jesus has let them down. And I don't need to be Jesus for people. I need to represent him and show him and introduce him to other people so that they can have a relationship with him that is long-lasting and, and long-standing for them. So if the world hates us, that is only because it hated Christ first. And it, and it is the joy of the Lord that gives us strength, not the approval of men that gives us strength. We can love people even though they don't love us. We can do that because we live for Christ. And what Christ did is Christ actually gave his life for all so that all can encounter eternal life in him. And so it's important for us to also reciprocate this way. So then also as we, as we move through, um, let's go to that, that next uh, section there, Philip. Thank you. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now, with the, now they have no excuse for their sin. For whoever hates me hates my father as well. This is interesting because he's, he's talking very much about specific law right here, if you think about this. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. People here are people who are very religious and who are going specifically by the law, but they are pushing away against Jesus. So if you think about this, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. Keep going for the next section. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. For this is to fulfill what is written in their law. Again, he's writing about the religious followers. They hated me without reason. And this is something that Jesus is coming back and he's showing them more and more. He's like, look, if all it was was just obeying laws, then they would not be guilty of sin because they haven't missed the mark. But because God in flesh, God came in flesh, dwelt among them, did the mighty works that he did among them. He, he, he was the one, the word that became flesh, dwelt among them. He was a savior. He came and he showed himself to them. Now they're guilty of missing the mark. Because the mark is not the law. The mark is the one who came represented the one who delivered the law. He came as the one who delivered the law. So 
they miss the mark because they're following just commands. They're following a religious principle. They're following after just uh, traditionalism. They're, they're just going to church on Sundays. They may be a good person. They may, uh, they may be uh, abiding by all the, you know, the, the natural laws. They don't speed. You know, they don't, they don't get drunk. They don't go and do all these different things. They're, they're living a very good life, but they're not in relationship with God. It's not the law that gives us relationship. It's a relationship that makes us desire to live by the law. And I'm wrapping up. We're getting really close. Okay. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then go to the, to the last scripture right there. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. He gave us the Holy Spirit who testifies of the goodness of Christ, testifies of his, his saving nature, testifies of the relationship that we need. And because the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us, we now testify of the same thing for other people around so it's not enough just to abide. It's not enough to just, to just sit and, and pray for hours and hours and hours. It's not, it's not enough to do these things, although those things are great, and we need to also pray. We need to also read the word. We need to also do things, but we also must testify. Abiding is just the first half of it. The other half is the testimony. People will not, the lost people will not get saved. The people who are hurting, wounded, broken, they will not encounter the presence of the living God if there's no testimony from believers who have the witness of the Holy Spirit inside of their life. And the way that we do this is by going back and reading what Jesus has required of us to do. Not out of religiosity, but because we love Jesus and because we want to please him. Because out of relationship is what you do with someone that you love. You, you will lay down your own preferences and insecurities and you will adopt the things that will make them happy because you care about them so much to do so. Jesus, even whenever he went and he was, uh, he was sweating, sweating blood. Father, take this cup from me. If it be your will, I will do it, though. Sure enough, he still went to the cross. It's not because he was pumped to go to the cross because he was like, this is going to be great. And I'm going to feel awesome throughout it. And it's going to be a victorious time. And I can just, I can just, you know, feel the crowd roaring as, as I go to the cross. And, you know, they're all cheering me on because they're excited for me to go to the cross because they know it's going to happen. So, you know, actually, all of his disciples abandoned him in that point in time, except for one and his mom. <laughs> they were the only two left there at the foot of the cross while he was hanging there in pain and in agony as people spit at him, as people ripped out his beard, as they did all these crazy things to this man. But he still did it because he laid down his own life and his own preferences of not having to die that way, being God, having to come down to earth to, to rescue humanity from sin and oppression. Did those things because he loved us so much. And so we, in turn, also lay down our own lives so that we can live something that is much higher than what our just little preferences because it just makes us feel good. And I, I just wasn't encouraged very much today from, from this, so I don't think I could do this anymore. Whose encouragement are you looking for? 
It has to be the relationship that you have with Christ, the testimony of the Holy Spirit inside of us that allows us to testify, even in our own insecurities, even in our own imperfection, even in the things that we struggle with, we still can testify and produce fruit that is lasting, not just fruit that produces one time. Okay, I did it. I did it that one time. I talked to this person. Okay, cool. Now do it again (laughs) and do it again and do it again and do it again and let your life's testimony and love produce something that is much higher than something that you could do just on your own. Because if this was something we could do on our own, we didn't need Jesus. That's what he was talking about with these religious people. If I didn't come down, they would have been great. They wouldn't have been without sin. Because they just follow a law. They're they're just really good at memorizing things and just going and doing just that. But there's no relationship. I'm asking for relationship. And in that relationship, you start to learn what it is I desire. And then you lay your life down to allow my desires to be your desires now. And then you can ask. I love that. Then you ask whatever it is in my name, and it'll happen. Not because it's something that I just really want a really big house, or I really want to make a ton of money, or I really want to have this, 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 and that. Those are fine and dandy or whatever, but those are materialistic, and what fruit does that produce in your life that allows the Holy Spirit to testify of the goodness of Jesus Christ? As we lay our lives down, and as we really focus on our relationship with the Lord, then he will produce something inside of us that is much greater than what we could even ask or imagine for because it is something other than yourself. A lot of times we miss when we pray because we ask out of pride and not out of a position of surrender. When you ask out of a position of surrender, then you start to see that what you gain is not for yourself, but it is for others who are around you. That is the position of abiding in Christ so that you can testify of the goodness This is also so that you do not fall away. He's saying these things, especially to the disciples. He's writing, he's speaking to the disciples specifically, saying that you will be hated and you will not have a round of applause as you go to different places and you represent me. So guess what? I'm telling you all these things now so that when those things happen, when you are persecuted, because all 12 disciples, every single disciple that was around, died a crazy death except for John, they try to boil him alive, and he made it by the grace of God, and then he went off, and then he wrote the book of Revelation. So we see that they were persecuted to death, and Jesus said, do this so that you won't fall away, even in those moments where it seems like, like someone would just be like, you know what, this isn't for me, this hurts a lot, this really stinks, I don't need this anymore, I don't like it, don't like feeling this discomfort but they're not doing it for themselves and their own comfort. They were doing it to please the Lord and to act the same way that Christ did was to lay down their life. Now, this doesn't mean that you guys are all going to be martyred or anything like that. It's a very low chance, very, very low, especially with the number that we have in here um, represented from in the United States, that we're going to experience something like that being here. Very low. But what does that look like for you now in your life? To lay down your own life, your own preferences, your own desires, and to pick up the surrender of the Lord and see what he has for you. What does that look like for you? What are some things that we're pursuing that maybe we need to reevaluate because it's more out of pride than it is out of the benefit of what the Holy Spirit is asking for us? Maybe you're right in line. Praise God. That's amazing. I don't want you to think that everything that everyone's doing right now is just garbage. You need to throw it away. It's terrible. (laughs) Not at all. 
But if there's something that has come to mind, then you need to pray about that. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things that even if you're heading in the right direction, maybe there's a few motives inside of that right direction that need to be reevaluated as well so that you can actually have lasting fruit and not just one harvest or two harvests of that fruit. Because there's a lot of people who with great intentions, they go through and they have maybe one or two good harvests. But after that, their intentions start to waver because their character didn't match the desire that they have for that end goal. So what are some things that we need to do to reevaluate this so that whenever we are met with what the Lord is asking of us, we could be met with, Father, it may not be my will, but your will be done, and then walk through that. For some of us, it may be difficult. For some, it may be a lot more clear path. But regardless of what it is, we need to know the voice of the Holy Spirit so that whenever it comes time for us to discern whether that was good or bad, we can have the right discernment and not just based off of my preference. Let's stand. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for the ability to come and, and to just be, be hopefully encouraged and be, be uplifted. Thank you, Lord, for, for the challenging nature of your word as well, that, that we do not be complacent people. We do, we do not become complacent people wanting to just please our own, our own flesh or wanting to just do things that, that just seem to just make sense logically. But, but we, we listen to what your word says, and then we follow the path that you have for us. A lot of times it could be something that's very logical. Sometimes you may ask us to do something that's a little outside of the norm, but it ends up being uh, very beneficial, not because it benefits us, but it also benefits other people who are around us, that our responsibilities grow, not because, um, not because we're just very ambitious for, uh, for more responsibility, but the Father, you've entrusted us with wisdom and understanding, and as we get closer to you, the Father, that you can trust us because we are great friends and not just because we've earned certain accolades among men. So, Father, I just ask you to reveal to us certain things in our hearts that, that may not be pleasing to you, that, Lord, if there's anything that we're doing that is out of selfish nature, that, Father, you reveal that and that we're able to deal with it as needed. Holy Spirit, thank you for being our comforter, that even in the discomfort of life, that you're still there to comfort us and to lead us and to guide us. Father, I ask you that you continuously give us a, a heightened sense and desire for your word, that we can go back to it and we could be excited about reading the word. That, Lord, even in those times where maybe it's really early in the morning and we don't want to get up, that, Father, we, we still are able to get up in those times and to at least spend some time with you so that we can have your, your word on our, on our hearts at the beginning of the day. Lord, I pray that you give us supernatural strategy on, on when to spend time and how to spend time with you in the midst of busy schedules. Because, Father, I know that having families and responsibilities, it could be difficult to find those times. But, Lord, let us not sacrifice our relationship with you just to fulfill some things that are temporary and, and not long-lasting. So, Lord, give us those strategies. Give us those ways. Give us those, um, those desires and, uh, and provide us, even in the times of, of tiredness, to be strengthened as we seek after your face. So thank you, Father, for your direction. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. And I ask you to bless each and every one of these people who are in here. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. You guys have a phenomenal Sunday. Have a great week. And see those of you guys who are in ministry school tonight. Um, as you guys have ministry school. And then the rest of you guys on Wednesday or next Sunday.